You're listening to The Interview, in-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. This episode of The Retail Exchange is brought to you in association with Peak Technologies. Peak Technologies are helping world-leading retailers across Europe and the US to achieve sustainable, responsible and rapid growth. Retail operations optimise, productivity boosted, supply chain lifecycle extended, waste reduced. Unlock access to real-time visibility of critical assets and processes with the latest in digital retail technology solutions. Visit peaktech.co.uk today to learn more and book your free 15-minute consultation. Peak Technologies. Achieve sustainability without reducing quality or value. Hello, I'm Carl McKeever and welcome to the latest in the interview series from the Retail Exchange podcast as we bring you insight and opinion from premier retail industry professionals and thought leaders. Today, I'm joined by Ophelia Cherodini, VP Digital Technology and Innovation at Estee Lauder. Recorded live in the heart of New York City during NRF 2023, together we explore the evolution of customer behaviour in the beauty sector and the evolving role of technology in driving greater brand engagement. Here's the episode. Ophelia, welcome. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and excited for our conversation. So let's get started, Ophelia. I'd like just a brief overview of your current role and responsibilities. Sure. So for a little background, I work for Estee Lauder Companies. We're the number one prestige luxury beauty company. We have over 25 brands in makeup, hair care, fragrance, and skincare, and we're global. So what I do is I work across brands, um, and I'm in charge of the digital technology and innovation group and we create innovative differentiating experiences for our brands and consumers. So what does that mean? So I'll bring in new business models, new capabilities to kind of help create these experiences. So some examples, things that I'm working on around like hyper-personalization or trends to action. So it's really about the consumer, the consumer experience that we're creating, and then using technology in the background to help us create these experiences. How important is it that for each of the different brands within the portfolio, that you are still mindful of the the different types of brand DNA in the consumer in terms of the digital deployment that you have? So each one of our brands has their own personality. The technology really just helps us to create the tools and the experiences, but it's really about the branded experience, their creative, their mission. So the platforms may be common, but the way that they're used and how they're expressed is very much part of the way the brand would be uh, trying to differentiate within its own market. Exactly. And from that perspective, there's been such a range of new channels and different kinds of tech tools which have come to market. You you clearly also have to be very single-minded in terms of what you think you need, what benefits that's going to bring to your consumers. The way that I go about it is um, we really keep tabs and do research on evolving consumer behavior, which has really evolved lately in the past couple of years. It's accelerated the market, what's going on in the world, right? And then the new and emerging technologies. So all of that really feeds into how we create these experiences. So we wanna be able to solve pain points 
or take advantage of new opportunities and really create experiences that are aspirational for our consumers. And then the technology, I mean, there's so much technology. There's new and emerging. I, I really don't think there's anything that you can't do. If you think about it, you think about this experience, you'll find the technology to make it come to life. So for you, the very fact that your products that you sell are things which are in many ways very sensory. So you know you have to smell a fragrance. You have to see a foundation on your skin to know whether that's the right shade for you. None of those things are necessarily disabled by technology. In fact, technology can be used to bring those to life. Exactly. So you said foundation. There was a time where consumers didn't buy foundation online because it needs to match your skin tone. So you'd go to store, you would test out a couple of different foundation shades on your face to see which one matches. And online, it, it used to be like shades, so little boxes of shades, and how could you possibly choose from that? So we took that as a challenge, saying that's an opportunity for us to figure out how to help consumers feel confident to buy foundation. So we developed a tool. So we did a skin analysis, and we would figure out what your skin tone is in lab values. It's technical, right? So we would take that, and then we would match that to a foundation shade. Then you would be able to virtually try it on. So then that gave the consumers the confidence to be able to buy that foundation. And then we also have to add in preference because even though it might match, consumers do have their own preference. Some, some people like to go lighter or darker. So it's all, you know, we also put in the experience around it. So I guess some of these decisions have been helped also by the fact that the tech hardware and the software is also developing also exponentially too. Exactly. You know, several years ago, you know, you looked at screen resolutions and you, you wouldn't have been able to get the clarity that you can get today. Similarly, the types of cameras that we have can give much more meaningful interpretation to a real picture. That's right. I, technology is advancing, but you can't do everything you might want to do. So what you really have to do is think about also consumer adaption and tech adaption, right? So there are certain things that we might come up with, but the consumers may not be ready for it yet. So if the technology isn't ready, definitely we wouldn't launch something that isn't great. But if the consumer adaption is still low, we might still launch something and iterate on it, but our KPIs might be different because there's a lot of things where the consumer adaption has to, has to get there. Sometimes you get there and sometimes you don't. And in the past, things were simpler, weren't they? Because one team would work on the comms site, another team might work on the design expression, somebody else is working on comms. But of course, now there's much more integration, and especially when you consider the role of social media in all of this, that must present some new challenges. It does. It's a good point, because I think years ago, these different divisions could work in silo, and, and that was fine. But now, you really have to have a cross-functional organization because the consumer journey is that way, right? So in social media, you might do a lot of discovery, then you might go online, and you might purchase online, or you might purchase at a retail store and then do replenishment online. But all of the different channels have to work together. Then the creative, as you said, the creative is not this one-size-fits-all. It has to be a branded, seamless experience, but all the different channels have different purposes. TikTok is about video, etc. So the creative also has to be branded, but go along with what the expectations are on that particular channel. And to what extent has the, and this is a double-edged sword really, both the development of more granular tech created both solutions and problems? Because I can imagine now that because you have so much more ability to be able to analyze the impact of things and also to be able to tweak and adjust and change, 
surely that generates a bunch of extra work in both analyzing the success of, of campaigns or particular activations that you've done and then looking at the data and actually saying okay we didn't quite hit the numbers we wanted there or what are the small changes where's the insight and the learnings that we need to adapt so you know I guess the workload has increased similarly whilst the the platforms have made it easy to do change you've still right. got to actually put the input in to get the benefits that you want yes so two things so with most technologies that we do, you can't really take it out of the box. So we really co-create and develop the technologies to work with our brands, our beauty, our IP. So there's always going to be that amount of work to make it special for our consumers and to really take into account our consumers to be able to personalize for them. So there's that part. And then the analytics. With things that are nascent, it has to be more about engagement at first before it becomes about sales. And you have to use your experience, your expertise, and make some, make some bets, right? So like Virtual Try-In, for example, we launched that back in 2017. Consumer adoption was low, the tech was still at, a, at a, a good enough level when we launched it, but that was about engagement back then and really introducing this new technology where you could try it on and getting consumers to feel confident. Now, you get three times the engagement, double the conversion, for this tool, it's table stakes now. But you know what I mean, you have to take those risks and play it out at first. Things are a lot faster now, but so it's, it's the same concept. So is the mindset really, look, it is test and learn, but it's also about progress not perfect from the outset. That's true, and that is a mindset, because especially in our business, we want to be perfect, right? And in retail and in print, you can be perfect, but when it comes to like new digital, new experiences, it's also the expectation is different. It doesn't have to be perfect. So if you just look at user-generated content, consumers love user-generated content. It's like real and not perfect. And those are some qualities that are really, really great. Mm. And you also love like the, the branded assets because they're so beautiful and they tell a story. So I think there's a balance in listening to the consumers in what is more perfect, what has more leeway. And I can imagine that in recent years, this has had kind of quite a profound change in terms of the way the business both thinks and behaves. Maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was much more linear. You had a strategy, you w worked on an activation plan, everybody went off and did their thing. Today, I guess that's uh, quite different. It is. You have to be a lot more agile. You know, and it's also what, what are the market forces that are going on. So a good example of what happened was when COVID started. So before COVID started, we were looking at video, but we were looking at it as a strategy that would be more like, maybe more of a test and learn, it could take a year or more to get that out there, see what happens. We were lucky because we, were, we had already been looking at it and we already had a plan for live video and live video selling. We lucked out. And then when COVID hit, we accelerated it. So you have to be agile. We were like, okay, this is perfect. So we scaled it across our brands and globally, like in record time. And that's about really being able to react to what's going on in the world and be able to do that in an agile way, mm -hmm. which is very different than when you have a strategy that's planned out. 
So I think, you know, being able to do that, being able to react is really important. And I think for many brands, as they now gather the dust of post-COVID and, and everybody's trying to get back into some sense of business as usual, if there is anything the positive that COVID left with us, it was that ability to innovate at pace and perhaps take some of those things which have been on the back burner or things which were just nice ideas to do and really accelerate them and put some effort behind them. I agree. So much was accelerated during that period of time. And, you know, most people, I think you'd go back to the old ways, but I don't think so. I think most of it is really here to stay. And it's also more of an expectation now that it will continue to be that way at accelerated pace. You could no longer take a longer time frame to do things. Everything is going to be a lot faster. And I guess if you're not doing it, a competitor may be. So, you know, the the hamster wheel just got faster. Yes. (laughs) Speed to market is important. But you still, as long as you still maintain the values of the company not doing it for the sake of doing it, right? I think that that's still always going to be key. You mentioned earlier that you pioneered with the virtual try-on. How important has that been to your business? I think it's been really critical. So I think that virtual try-on just lends itself so well, but it's also not just virtual try-on, it's all the advancements we've made with it, with AR and AI. So virtual try-on has now become table stakes. You can try on lipstick, eyeshadow, any any category, hair care. And that's, I um, guess, just becoming almost a new standard. I think that's a standard now. Um, it certainly is for us, and a lot of brands are catching up, but we have a very large footprint there. But since then, we've layered on and innovated within it. So this year we just launched, for two of our brands, a personalized tutorial. So what that means is we take our expertise from our makeup artists and our beauty advisors, and we created virtual tutorials. So just to give you context, beauty consumers, they shop, they look at social, they watch how-to videos, they follow influencers, and usually it's an influencer that might look like you so that when you watch a tutorial, you could learn how to create these looks. That is a standard behavior. So what we said was, wouldn't it be great if you could learn how to do that look right on your own face rather than somebody else's? Because we always hear consumers say, I like that, but I don't know if I could do that for myself or that person doesn't look like me. And it might be that they need the confidence of looking back at themselves to take them into a purchase mode. Yes. So you'll see the look on your own face. You'll see the makeup brush, the different products, and tips on how to maybe get this eye look, a brow look. You'll have the voiceover of the makeup artist, or you could have it in text if you don't want voice. You could stop, you know, start, pause. So I think it's a pre-purchase um, tool and, and a post-purchase tool. And, and is this personalized in, in a sense that can you upload a profile so that the program would get to know you on repeat visits or things, yep. or is this a one-time only? No, so what we are doing also is we are detecting your facial attributes. So we can detect your eye shape, your brow, your lip shape, etc., anything on your face, to be able to give you personalized looks for you and tips that relate specifically to your look. So for example, on Bobby Brown, we we call it a looks recommender. We detect your eye shape and your brow shape, and then we give you looks that are specific. The virtual try-on usually would be like a one-size-fits-all you can put on this look. But now what we're doing is we're detecting your eye shape. The look is customized for your eye shape, and then the tips that we give you are customized to your eye shape, so it's much more personalized. Yeah. So we keep iterating so you, you, and advancing yeah. on the regular 
try on. So you're kind of almost eliminating a lot of the kind of the, the mismatches, as it were, and trying to actually only put forward to the consumer things which are suitable, maybe that are attractive and interesting to them. Yeah, so I think I would say that we're personalizing it for them and so that they feel unique, they feel heard, and that they feel like uh, more confident in what they might purchase. Does that also follow through in terms of the feedback that you get back from the consumer as well, whether that's direct feedback and that's coming through forums or channels? or To what extent do you listen to that and then build that into improvements or future strategy? So we have feedback on social. There's ratings and reviews where you get feedback. And then there's also a lot of consumer testing that we do, and we hear directly from consumers about feedback. So there's many different you know, inputs to it. And then what we do, it goes to many different teams within our company, right? We could send a lot of feedback to our product development in case there's feedback about products specifically. Then there's our online teams about experiences and social and in what's trending. So many different areas. And I think we we bring it all in and then we react to it in a cross-divisional way. And as a company, how do you organize the fulfillment of these projects? So we have our base, our technology, and when we build upon our technology, it's always in, in a scalable way, keeping into account that for scale across brands and scale globally. But each brand has their own creative, their own marketing, their own personality, and they're in charge of all of that. And that becomes a, a complementary discipline to the, the hardware software development side. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Peak Technologies. Peak Technologies deliver change that's good for your business, the bottom line and the planet. Consumers want to know that their favourite brands are committed to sustainability. That's a given. Sustainability can accelerate growth with measurable benefits while giving your brand something to be proud of. And you need to do it now. The point is, you can break the cycle of unreliable and outdated technology that causes endless disruption to the retail floor stockrooms and supply chain technology. How? By leveraging the latest in mobility hardware, software and services to boost productivity, extend the life cycle of your supply chain, get more from your investment by optimising processes and maximising the adoption of technology whilst also minimising your carbon footprint, reducing e-waste and achieving responsible repair, disposal and asset recycling. Peak Technologies wants to see that change, to turn will deliver change tomorrow into change today. What's not to like? Discover more about Peak Technologies retail and supply chain solutions. Get a free 15-minute consultation today. Visit peaktech.co.uk. To what extent do you think of your own experiences buying beauty products or those of family members or friends, etc.? And is that a great source of feedback and inspiration that you can bring into the job? Well, my daughter is my greatest inspiration. She is 20, but since she was seven or eight years old, she loves, loves, loves makeup. She's been trying on makeup, using different products, and doing makeup like the whole entire time. And I'm, even though I'm, I'm in the beauty industry and I'm aware of everything and I try to you know, do my best when it comes to beauty, but 
I'm not a makeup junkie. I'm more of a techie, I guess, right? My, my daughter's a makeup junkie, right? <laughs> so I watch her all the time. I ask her, what are you using? What are you into these days? What, do you, what is trending? And literally, she's spot on. So I get a lot of information from her. And then with all of the things that we do, I'll run it by her and be like, hey, what do you think about this? And then she has so many friends. There will have 10 friends over, and I'll talk to all of them and be like, hey, what are you... What are, you doing? what are you doing these days? So they are the next generation of you. They're already using it. like, And they use products way younger. Like I didn't use foundation when I was younger. They use foundation. They use everything. But they also have to be camera ready, if you think about it, because of social, right? So they constantly want to be like camera ready as well, where we never, I never had to think about things like that. And because they're the, the next generation, I get so many insights from them because I think of them they're the real consumers right mm. so I think my daughter is a, a great inspiration for me in in new ideas and how consumers are behaving these days but on that note I think the consumers are, are critical I think the most important thing that I could say is that we talk to consumers we share our user experience with them before we go live get their feedback did you get it what did you think we were trying to do to make sure that it was actually resonating because everything is new so you don't know. And then after we launch it, we'll, we'll talk to consumers again and get their feedback and iterate on, on that again. I think it's crucial to talk to consumers um, all of the time. Consumer behavior is evolving, and that's where you kind of see, oh, I see you have a pain point here in the experience, or you might something that might say might spark an opportunity for it. So I think that, that it's crucial. And I guess there are so many different types of consumer voices out there now. Yes. Think about even just the impact of men being more consumers yes. within the industry, not just for what I would call practical products such as moisturizers to keep us from drying out, but obviously men are now much more engaged in the world of color cosmetics as well. They are. It's definitely been evolving and as you said, many more men are interested in, in beauty and cosmetics and in using them. So yes, absolutely. But there's also so many other things as well. There's cultural expectations and desires. And there's also, you know, inclusivity, there's diversity. There are so many different groups of people that you want to be able to like have experiences that work for everyone, right? Everyone and, should feel beautiful. And, and I guess your job is trying to make the platforms as flexible, adaptable, versatile as possible for the brands so that as they identify each of these different consumers and their you know, very specific wants and needs, your tools are enabled to give the brands the solutions they're looking for. Yes. So when you know vendors create their technology, they usually create it at the first step as like the middle of the road kind of consumers, right? But we always challenge them to, to iterate on their technology so that it is much more diverse. And we test it that way and we'll uh, evolve that technology so that it is diverse before we put it on our sites because it's really important to us. So when you're looking for a tech partner and somebody who I guess you're going to have a fairly meaningful relationship with, what are some of the most important things that they can impress you with in terms of almost the way that they do business? A lot of times with the technology is just knowing the capabilities of their technology and also knowing the possibilities of what can be done with that technology. Because sometimes you look at things and you may not want to use it the way that they are marketing it, but you might be able to use it in a different way. So what's important to me is if they're willing to collaborate and iterate on that technology together with us 
so that it works for our consumers. So that you do become a true partnership yes. in that sense, yes. in as much that they are an enabler, but it has to satisfy your needs. For me, vendors are partners. We're always collaborate on whatever we're building and usually building together. AI is clearly becoming very important to brands. To what extent do you think that you can really push the envelope in beauty? I think AI is one of the key technologies that sort of enhance almost all of the different other technologies in a way, right? And I think it is critical for beauty in many, many different ways. I talked already a lot about the hyper-personalization, which uses AI to support all of those different experiences. Another way that we use it is in what I call trends to action. So consumers are very savvy. So when they come to our sites, we want to extend that knowledge and conversation that they're already having in different channels. So we use AI to aggregate all of the trends to see what's trending in beauty. And then we also use AI to match that to our products. So we'll report on what's trending, what are the trending looks, what are the trending ingredients. Here are the products that we have to make up this look. And we also use user-generated content to support it from a creative standpoint if we want to be able to react to it in the moment. And in 10 years' time, what do you think we might be thinking, wow, this is the new bright and shiny? Are you going to hold me to this in 10 years? or Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot about multi-channel, so where this has been progressing, and I don't mean omni, I mean multi. I think that the consumers will be able to discover anywhere they want. And, and maybe one which you don't actually have to go and physically look to a site, go to a platform, whatever, that this thing is just almost omnipresent in, right. in, in many ways. Yes. We'll see. <laughs> we should make a date to Maybe come that's back. just my wish, I don't know. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your own personal career journey. Obviously, you've been in this business for some time. If you could just give us a little bit of the backstory. So I've worked in many different mediums. I started in packaging, actually, and then I went to print, and then I worked within a brand, and then I started our online division within Estee Lauder Companies. I think all of that experience really brought me to where I am today. I really learned so much about attention to detail so I think that it's great for me because of all of the different experience I have allows me to really um, create innovative experiences and be able to know what's possible, what's not possible, and all of those different mediums that uh, yeah. need to take on that technology. I guess because you've had the full 360 and you've seen yeah. them both in terms of physical things, you've seen them as very aesthetic things, you've seen them which are from a brand perspective, which is all about the consumer and the brand DNA. Right. And as you say, now moving into this whole new exciting digital arena, I mean, you must, I'm, I'm sure, pinch yourself sometimes and think, wow, what an amazing job I have. Oh, I have the best job in the world because I get to do new things all the time so I'm always thinking about you know it's challenging always and it's always new and it's always designing new experiences and and it's fulfilling if it resonates with the brands and the consumers then you know you know you've you've got something uh, that golden nugget and it's very fulfilling so what keeps you awake at night well in innovation, you have to take a lot of risks or else you won't be successful, right? So, you know, and a lot of things will be like, take your experience and say, okay, I'm gonna, I think this one is, is worth the risk and put it out there. And although you know it's okay that not 10 out of 10 things is gonna be successful, you still always want that thing to happen and you have to uh, be able to pivot. But until you say, okay, we need to move on and pivot, let's say, you know, then that's stressful. 
you can do the feasibility, you can do the development, you can do the testing, but at some point there is a gut that you have to have as well, which says, okay, let's get on with this. Right, and you have to be able to say, I I know this is great, I'm gonna keep going, and you have to be able to say, "Uh, I have to listen. Like, even though I personally love this idea, I, I see that, you know, may, maybe it's not resonating and you have to say to yourself, oh, it's time to pivot. Yeah. And when you're not working hard, and I imagine that you're someone who is very focused at work, but when you're not working, how do you relax? What does free time look like for you? Well, I do ceramics. Oh, wow. Um, I hand build, but I mostly use the wheel and I, I love it. And I actually like have different ideas and I create these things, right? But I also, in this space, the imperfections is what I love about pieces in the end of what I make like it doesn't have I actually prefer it not to be perfect there always seems to be something about the world of ceramicists which is a very peaceful occupation in some ways the 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 forming of clay through the fingers it seems a very contemplative activity it is and and the folks that do ceramics so when I go to a studio people of all ages and everyone is passionate about ceramics I, I have no idea what anybody does for a living when I'm in the studio, and but you're nobody the, does, but we're all just in the zone around, together. That's, all we, yeah. that's what we talk about. That's Wonderful. it. Amazing. So it's, it's almost a completely different distraction for you. It takes you totally away from what your day job is all about, and you right. can just absorb yourself in something which is just free fall. Yes. <laughs> um, what's next for you and your team in 2023? You know, some of those big agenda items which are coming up this year. So I'm very focused on taking hyper-personalization to the next level for consumers, really make them feel unique and heard in a big way. And also like the trends to action and being able to incorporate that also to be personalized, actionable, predictive, take it all a step further, especially within technology and however that might evolve that to be. But I think a key to all of that is data. There's a lot of data to be had. And you know, another part of the personalization is you want the consumer to feel like she's one person, regardless of where what channel she's at, not a different person per channel. So one person, multi-channel, utilizing all the different data that's out there of her preferences, her as a unique person, her habits, her channels, etc. You know, using in all that data to make those experiences even better. So it becomes very intimate almost. Well, look, that sounds like plenty to keep you and your teams busy this year. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk together today, Amophilia. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode of the Retail Exchange was brought to you in association with Peak Technologies, using real-time information to deliver more sustainable supply chains for world-leading retailers across Europe and the US. End unreliable and outdated technology and start investing in the very latest in mobility hardware and software proven to drive down operating costs. If you want to benefit your business, its bottom line and the planet, you can't afford not to. Visit peaktech.co.uk today to learn more and book your free 15-minute consultation. Peak Technologies. Achieve sustainability without reducing quality or value. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Thanks for listening.